Hi, this is Jason. And this is Matt. And welcome to Wish You Were Here, a podcast for the curious traveler. Jason, this is episode 13. This is our season finale. Congratulations. This is really cool. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations to you as well. Congratulations to both of us. Together. We did it as a team. I mean, it is really cool. We were brainstorming about this earlier, but like, it's so fun to say that we went from like brainstorming an idea. I think in our LA episode, we talked and like apologized to everybody who had to listen, <laughs> to, listen to us talk about this ad nauseum for months. And here we are like wrapping up season one. I think this is, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. I am equally proud of what we accomplished. I mean, we have grown our, fa- our, our listener base. We have, in fact, been listened to on, I think we're up to 33 countries nice. on every inhabited continent. And tonight is our season finale. So this is the episode where one of us gets killed off. <laughs> I can't, it's crazy to think that. And neither of us knows neither. who it will be. <laughs> That's right. What's going to be the cliffhanger? <laughs> but let's oh also God. explain. Let's also explain what that means to end season one, right? Sure, so like what our what our what our plans are going forward, right? So I think you and I have agreed that we started this podcast in it was either late March or early April. Do you remember what our launch date yeah, or month like was? Seventy five years ago, uh, in, in March of twenty twenty. Yeah, I think it was March. We kicked off. Right. So we will start season two in March of twenty twenty one. So the idea is that. We will use this time off to hopefully, A, like travel again. I mean, we don't know that's going to happen, but you and I are hoping that by March of 2021, the world will be in a better place. I know it doesn't seem that way right now with COVID cases spiking, but I'm actually hearing a lot of news from the experts about a brighter 2021. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're hoping is that we can use this time to sort of like look at our favorite episodes, look at what needs improvement, you know, talk to the people who listen and ask them for feedback, dream and, and create, create a, a, a blueprint for 2021. And also, this will be fun. We are going to come back between now and March of next year with a surprise episode or two. Yeah, secret bonus to look out for. It. Yes, yes, <laughs> I was yes. One of the other things I'm most excited about is yeah. like, the having the time and space to plan for season two, because I think we talked about this before, but we started in yeah. March and we had like a three episode map. And then mm-hmm. those three episodes came and went and we were like, what the hell do we do next? And so we've really been like, yeah. you know, putting it yeah. together weeks at a time. And I'm excited yeah. to really create a map and come into season two and just be able to like fully enjoy it with having a, a, a proper plan for it. Absolutely. And I feel like, well, first of all, A, we really had to focus season one on domestic destinations. Yeah. And I'm cautiously optimistic that if we do another six month, you know, 13 episode season next year, we're going to be traveling internationally again. We'll be able to go to at least Mexico and Canada, if not the whole world. So let's cross our fingers. Let's let the scientists do their work and let's hope that we can we can get moving again. Yeah. Lots more Um, goodness to come. So this is obviously a celebration, right? We're here at the season finale. And I was trying to think about like, what are other milestones and celebrations that you go through just in life? And, yeah. and graduation was a huge one that came to mind. And I wanted to ask you, what were like the graduation songs when you graduated like middle school? What were the what were these songs that were played to usher you into the next stage? Middle school? Well, I, I had like a proper middle school graduation after eighth grade for me. Right. Okay. Uh, before I moved into high school in ninth grade, we did like so, a ceremony. Yeah. So that, that was it for me. What was it for you? Eighth grade was much more promising mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, we, we are of different ages. So for me, eighth grade was the late 80s. 
And there were like I remember like Whitney. I remember in that time in that time era, like Whitney Houston's "I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me." Mm-hmm. Like that would have been a song we would have played at like my eighth grade dance or se- <laughs> or whatever. Like that was a big song. I remember like George Michael had released his solo album that included all those monster hits, mm. and I didn't even realize this. He sat down and just wrote that whole album. It's not one of those like 10 songs were written for him and he sang it and shaked his ass. Like sure. he sat down and wrote, I want your sex and faith and father figure. <sighs> that was an album that was super big then. Um, I remember it was, it was pre Madonna's like a prayer, but it was right. I guess, I guess I'm late enough that true blue had already kind of fizzled, but like still, I felt like the late eighties were a, a, a fertile time for music. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, I'm trying to think as you were talking, I was trying to think about like what were the like the dance songs in middle school and I was like mm. early, early 2000s. Um and so it was <laughs> yeah. like any number of early 2000s hip hop and R&B, which is, you know, I, in some ways I think the best time yeah. for music. But when I think of graduation songs, there are two that come to mind. One was a song called Graduation by Vitamin C. Have you ever heard the song she she samples it's like I don't know. She samples a classical song called something in C minor or whatever, but it's as we go on, we remember. Da, 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 da. It was yeah. it's called graduation though. And I'm pretty sure it was used exclusively for middle school graduations. <laughs> yeah, like nobody yeah, yeah. ever went to a vitamin C concert and was yeah. like, play your other stuff. They just wanted to hear graduation at their middle school graduation. So that was one. And then yeah. the other one is Time of Our Lives by Green Day. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So again, I I would have graduated well, what what saw maybe that was at my high school? What era was that? Early nineties, mid nineties, late nineties, um, like mid mid to late nineties, I think. But it okay, still so, was being yeah. used and recycled by the time I, I passed. Absolutely, through it. yeah. But I would have graduated from middle school and high school yeah. by then. I'm I, guessing. I have yeah. such a clear memory in my mind of all of us sitting on like the gym floor at my middle school with a projector showing like you know photographs from throughout the year of all the eighth graders and it just going slide by slide and all of us sitting and like. You know, the high emotions of a middle schooler, of like an eighth grader who's like, this will never end. This is as good as it gets. Like leaning on your friends, listening to Time of Our Lives by Green Day. I was like, this is peak. (laughs) Well, I can say that after one season of doing this podcast with you, I've had the time of my life. Mm, Yeah, ditto. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait. By the way, by the way, what's the name of the song? Is it called... I've had the time of my life from Dirty Dancing. I've had the time yeah. of my life. Yeah, what's what's the name of that song? Is it called? I think like Time of My Life. It's probably like it probably has a random title and then parentheses Ta- Time of My that, Life. That's exactly <laughs> what I think. Okay, while you look it up, yes. Wh- while you look it up, while you Google it, what I'm going to tell you is that would have been a song that would have been popular right when I was graduating from high school. Yeah. Because was it Dirty Dancing like '87, '88? No, sorry, not high school. Mid- I'm sorry, middle school. Yeah. Wasn't we, that like late '80s ish? We yeah, I think. It, uh, end of 80 I think it was like 88 when that came out okay um, so that's the year I graduated called, from middle we were, school we were right parentheses I've had the time of my life <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's amazing Dirty Dancing is a great movie I like that like you, you know can what tell, you can tell pop culture movies because there's a moment that like even people who haven't seen the movie know the moment and it's the moment in Dirty Dancing when he lifts her over his head and they spin around and that song plays right like even if you haven't seen it you know that moment Okay, I know that moment, and I've never seen that film. That's exactly right. You are, yeah, <laughs> you are yeah. giving power to what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, the power of pop culture. So we decided, you and I, for the final episode to go really big, mm-hmm. really big. We we, as you mentioned before, 
we, we planned out this season in like installments, right? Like we lurched from like, okay, we got through three episodes. Now let's plan out the next three. You know what? You know what this reminds me of actually? Have you ever heard the history of, I'm not going to get into a history lesson here, but that's how, that's how Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld sat down and planned Seinfeld, right? Like they did one episode and they thought it was like the hardest thing they'd ever done. And then uh-huh. when the network said, yeah, give us three more, they were like, how can we possibly do that? <laughs> <laughs> like Larry David has said, like, we, it, no, I'm out. Like, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I can't. Yeah. And then they lurched through three more. And then the network said, great. We, now we're going to finish off the season. Give us another. You know, I think the first season was short. It was like 10 or 12 episodes. But they were like, let's order up eight more. And Larry David was like, I'm walking <laughs> out. I'm forget it. I can't do this. So it's like, <laughs> but, um, but we planned this in like three episode installments. And we reached around episode eight or nine. And we were both like, we know what we need to save for the grand finale. Mm-hmm. And we like we both said it like at the same time. We both knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so should I let you do the honors to announce it? We are going to talk about Viva Las Vegas. Las Vegas. <laughs> it's a yes, good one. Yes, indeed. It's like, I mean, just the spirit of Las Vegas feels like finale. So it, it, it makes perfect sense for season one. And whether you're choosing to visit Vegas right now or say, you know what, this is a destination I want. I love Vegas, but I want to wait until, you know, COVID's behind us. I can go back and do Vegas right. And, you know, also like, you know, for safety reasons, I want to wait. We need Vegas right now, like a Vegas episode to like, this is going to lift your spirits if you're listening to this. This yeah. is a fun episode. <laughs> Both Matt and I have been a bunch of times. I've worked in Vegas a lot, so I've really gotten to know the other side of the city. I know the city off the strip. You know, um, I, I think you've gone a ton for work. Yeah, my, my experience and is very different. And I want to name here at the yeah. top that like you, you said, I think when we were talking with Edie, you said that you are a Vegas devotee and that's the perfect way to describe it. Mm, yeah. You, I love talking to you about Las Vegas because you you look at it and view it in a way that I've never heard another person talk about it. So I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your recs. But but if yeah. you will allow me, I I... Like my experience, I've been for a lot of work conferences. I've been for a few times as an adult, but most of my experience is like, you know, the things on the strip and even a few hidden gems. But it's like, I just learned my shapes and you're teaching quantum physics. Or it's like, <laughs> I'm playing youth soccer and you're Cristiano Ronaldo. Or I just bought tap shoes and you're the prima ballerina at the Bolshoi Ballet. You know what I'm saying? But, but you have also gone for work-related purposes where you've been given a little budget to wine and dine some folks. Have oh, you yeah. not? Oh yeah. See, and, and, and like, and like my experience is a lot different. Now I have gone for work when the client has hooked me up, but I've never gone there to like show other people a good time. Like that's schmooze. never, ha- yeah, that's, or yeah, it's, for me, it's like, I'm the little journalist. I'm the writer monkey. They're letting me try A, B, C, and D. And that's great. Um, and then of course, I also love going to Vegas on my own. I just think it's a fun destination. I think it's a misunderstood destination, but let me say this at the top of this episode. Okay. I can't wait to talk about Vegas with all our listeners to get them excited for their next Vegas visit. But I, I am done selling Vegas to naysayers. There are Vegas is a city that has its haters and it is not my job to try to convince them to like Vegas. Like (gasps) I like if they hate Las Vegas, you know what? Don't go to Vegas. Like that's totally fine. I get it. It's not for everyone. It's loud. It's brash. There is a softer side to Las Vegas. There's a creative side to Vegas. There's a local side to Vegas. Spoiler. They don't spend any time on the strip unless they're working. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's a whole other world, but I'm it's, you know, well, I'm I'm curious to hear then what, in the feedback that you've gotten from people about like, you know, the Vegas naysayers, what are the things that they say about why Vegas is, is undesirable? Yeah. I think they see it as, uh, a, a destination for middle America. Mm. Right. 
So that's that, that, you know, I, I think they just think like, oh, it's like Orlando where like the masses go on vacation. Mm, yeah. I think they rightfully see it as very overpriced, which it is. But when you go to Vegas long enough, you know how to game the system a little bit. And I'm not talking about VIP perks, although, although, by the way, signing up for different VIP, you know, like at the different, that actually is a way to get a better bang out of Vegas. Like, you know, like get your M Life Rewards card if you go to MGM a lot, like that, those type of things. But I'm talking about like, once you go, you just kind of figure out which restaurants are affordable, you know, which, which hotel, you know, you know, what time of year are you going to find like the best bargains at the resorts? Yeah. Like you learn how to game the system a little bit and you just become a better Vegas traveler. But it is true. Everything on Vegas, everything on the strip, every, you know, even things downtown Las Vegas are way overpriced. Yeah. And that's frustrating. I mean, yeah. Vegas is like designed to make money in every imaginable way. And so it's it's by design that the casinos are massive and you have to stay and eat at them unless you were willing to walk 20 miles to get to us, right. you know what I mean? So it's right. designed to like keep you in this in a single space. And so if you're like where should I grab dinner and you go to you know, you go somewhere at the MGM Grand, like of course it's going to be expensive because it's one of the only a few options you have. And so you have to plan ahead and be smart about it, but there it's not it's it's not like the whole city it's not like there aren't workarounds, like you said. You just have to be smart about it. That's absolutely right. And then I think the third thing is people find Las Vegas gaudy, and and I love gaudy Las Vegas. Mm. Like Vegas is not too gaudy for me. That's that's something where you know when people say like, oh, Vegas is for like you know bros and bachelorette parties. Then I get defensive. I'm like, there's a whole other side of Vegas that isn't that. But let's be clear, Vegas is a gaudy city. Yeah. You know, and, and, but I love the neon. I love the lights. I love that there's like, you know, 3 a.m. in the morning, there's this half life of like, you know, again, like a bachelorette party, you know, drunkenly walking up and down the strip. There's the, <laughs> you know, there's, there's like two Vegas showgirls standing out there posing for pictures. There's, yeah. you know, the, the lights of Circus Circus and Excalibur. I love all that. I'm totally charmed by it too. I think it, you know, I've, I've been, I've been a lot of times to Vegas, but mm. it is such, it is and there's no place in the world like Las Vegas. It's just such it's an it's like stepping into another world. And so how can you I'm just like so dazzled by it. I'm so taken in. I as I was researching and prepping for this episode, I came across um I don't, it wasn't really like a review. Somebody had posted a question online being like what are what are Vegas's hidden gems, secret gems? And in the sub notes they put I've been to Las Vegas 5 times, so I feel like I know all there is to know. Like what am I missing? And I stopped and I was like so offended at that. I was like, you've been five times and you think you hit the bottom of Vegas? Like, I don't think there is a more diverse city in the States. Every type no. of person can go and find something in Vegas. So like after five times, get out of my face. <laughs> there is no way. I bet you anything that person has no idea that Treasure Island contains a woolly mammoth tusk just off the casino floor. I'll bet that person I, You're going to give us so many of these good ones today. <laughs> Keep them coming. I'll bet that person has no idea that at the win, every single sit-down restaurant has a secret vegan menu. What? I'll bet that person has no idea that at Skyfall, the 64th floor bar at the Delano, which is the, the luxury tower within Mandalay Bay, all the bathrooms face a glass wall with, with gorgeous strip views, <gasps> right? Like Vegas is, I mean... The, the, the thrilling thing about Vegas is that you can't master Vegas because the city thrives on newness. Yeah. It thrives on reinvention, right? It's like, it's like okay, it's been six months. How can we completely reinvent the city so that people can come back here and, and have a whole new experience? You know, the newest resort in Vegas is a downtown place called Circa. Hmm. 
and Circa is opening on Fremont Street. So the Fremont Street experience, mm-hmm. it's like a tower. I When I was last in Vegas, it wasn't open yet, but you could see it's like 28 stories. It was like done. Maybe it's even higher than that. I forget. But they've opened a massive streamlined parking garage that they are calling Garage Mahal. Oh, what a good name. <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot wait to visit Garage, Garage Mahal, Mahal and order up an Uber from there. I love it. I love it. Which, by the way, is supposed to be the best place to get a ride share from downtown at Garage <laughs> Mahal. And I hope they, so with that name. They're doing six year-round outdoor swimming pools that are that are that are that are cascading stadium style, mm. right? So you know how like stadium style seating is like the next rows below you and below until you get to the stage, right? Stadium style seating. It's six stadium style pools. And at the end of it, there's like a giant, like, you know, deluxe movie theater size screen showing sports, which of course doesn't interest me, but like, yeah. And then, yeah. And it's ringed by like, like I mean, this sounds like a caricature of like a a sci-fi futuristic movie (laughs) where you go to a city of the future and there's stacks of pools on top of each other and everybody watching robot NFL. But I do consider myself a Vegas expert at this point, and I do not know all the secrets to that city. Yeah, no way. Five times, get out of my face. I think because what you said about <laughs> um, about like the city being constantly updated and constantly new, I feel like my impression is that they don't like scrap and rebuild. They sort of build on top of it. And so Vegas is also a city that has skeletons like crazy. Like there's so many hidden gems and so many secrets and so many skeletons buried in that city. I, I think I'm trying to I'm trying to remember like some quick fun facts like you just named, but there's a piece of the Berlin Wall hidden in the city. There are several yeah, different mob yeah. museums, like places where you can go sit in the old jail cell. There's a legend yeah. of like a hidden city underneath that an old governor or somebody built that like that is yet to be found, but there is evidence that it you know is truly like an underground city. So I feel like like Vegas has some real hardy skeletons. See, and I didn't know that. Mm. I didn't know there's rumor to be a city underground Las Vegas. The mob <laughs> museum is great. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, that, yeah, yeah. There is. I do know that there is. Remember the story I told in New York about the mole people who lived in the tunnel? Of course. There, like <laughs> I, I have nightmares about it. No, it, there it was is great. a version of that. I almost saved that story, not knowing if I was going to be up for what happened here. I almost saved that story because there's an almost an equivalent story about a similar community in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean that's and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, yeah, v- yeah. Vegas is ne- never ending. Yeah, and I, I'm someone who goes. Two, three, sometimes if it's work related, four times a year. And I still am like, I'm mystified. I was, I was the last time I was there, I was playing. I've been craving um, blizzards. You know what blizzards are? Dairy Queens. Yeah. Like frozen. They're like ice cream. They're not ice cream sundaes. They're more like concretes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we don't really have them here in Los Angeles. I think there's a Dairy Queen or two like in the Valley or on the fringes of LA County, but we don't really have them in the city, but I've been craving them. And I was playing uh craps in excalibur which is the like medieval knights of the round table theme and you know there was a basement right underneath me i was like where does this escalator go and i was like i'm gonna take it down just to see what's i was like i don't yeah. i don't know what's down here it, at the foot of the escalator was a dairy queen and mm. i was like ooh, ooh, yeah <laughs> see baby. i grew up in the midwest too so i know dairy queens of and course the you way do, to yeah. test the way to test a, if a blizzard is any good is you hold it upside down and see if the spoon sticks and if it stays right. And right. then if it does, it's good to go. <laughs> and that's what the server did when she handed it to me. <gasps> that you knew yeah. you were in the right place. I love it. Okay, so should we start by talking about Vegas icons? Like, yeah. you know, those three or four things that you feel like 
everybody has to do or every, everybody should do, or, or like we can, everybody does do and you and I can decide, are they worth it? Yeah. So what is what are the, the first ones that come to your mind? Okay. I'm going to throw out the number, what I think is number one, and that's the Bellagio fountains. Mm, yeah. Bellagio yeah. fountains. I mean, it's, it, well, let, let's quickly say what it is that there, there's a large pool in front of the Bellagio and there's a nightly show, right? I don't think it happens during the day. Um, or is it just going at all times? But it's a it's a show of fountains that's orchestrated to music. The fountains, um, the fountains spit up in intervals. It's really beautiful to watch. I mean, it's like a it's like a water show, like you might see at Disneyland or something. Um, yeah, I think that's totally worth doing. Like, how how would you do, anything you would add to that description of of the fountains? Why why would you say it's your number one? I I so okay. So first of all, what I love is that the Bellagio is positioned mid strip. Mm. So everybody passes the Bellagio fountains. You don't have to go out of your way to get to them. Yeah. Right? Like the way Circus Circus is on one end of the strip and Mandalay Bay is on the other. And that's that's like five miles distance, right? Mm. People think like, let's walk the strip. That's a long journey. Bellagio is right in the middle. And as these fountains do their their light show, it's playing pop music. Mm-hmm. So it's so fun. Yeah. And it always draws a crowd. You can't, and it, and it always draws... Like, of course, it draws families and, you know, groups of, you know, bachelors and bachelors, but it also draws a romantic crowd. I have seen people, I've seen someone get down on one knee and propose to someone in front of the Bellagio I mean, fountain. what a picture. Like, if you snap I'm that sh- at the right moment. I also, I love heist movies. Like, the Oceans movies are some of my <laughs> yeah, favorites. Yeah. And so when I think of Vegas, one of my first images is like the end of Oceans 11 after they've pulled off a successful height and they one by one come up and they're just looking at the fountains and there's like old classic Las Vegas big band music playing. I am like so charmed by that image. So that to me is like Bellagio fountains are totally in sync with what I think of Vegas. Okay. How about this one, Matt? How about the welcome to fabulous Las Vegas sign? I was just going to say that same brain. I say, skip it. I say, I say drive by it. But I think the reason is because it's a cool picture, but because it's above you, it's actually really hard to get a picture with proper lighting. So everybody's picture is going to be messed up. There are really long lines. And in that part of the city, it's incredibly hot if you go at the wrong time. So it's Mm. not a super comfortable experience. um, And it is hard to get the picture that you're dreaming of, right? You would need a drone or something. So I say drive by it, wave at it, cheer, but, but skip, skip the effort to go out there and take a picture. What do you say? I, so I have gone out there to take a picture. You are correct. I haven't done that in many years, by the way, because obviously I did it once. There was mm-hmm. no need to do it mm-hmm. again. People definitely queue up to do it. So be prepared. If you're going to do it on a weekend, people queue up. You are right. There is no shade. So be prepared for the heat if you're, you know, if you're there in yeah. late spring to early fall. And I think most people know this, but if you've not been to Vegas a lot or you've only driven by the sign, it's tiny. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a huge <laughs> sign, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small sign. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, I'm going to give you another one. Uh, have you done the Neon Museum? I have not. You know what's funny? You told me about that, and I've been yeah. chomping at the bit to go. So you, please tell us what it is. Oh, my gosh. It's so freaking good. It's downtown, but not in the Fremont Street experience. It's like downtown, but off off the, the beaten path a few blocks. Yeah. I mean, you could walk to it if you're walking around downtown. It's not that far, but it's um, it's not within where all the casinos and restaurants and bars are. And it's this giant boneyard and it's literally a graveyard where when a, you know, like a, a wedding chapel closes or or they're going to bulldoze, you know, a resort on the strip and build something new. They take those big, giant, amazing, iconic neon signs and they are the, the neon museum, a 5013C, takes these signs in and then lovingly, you know, restores them. And in, if and 
okay, here's one thing. You must go at night. It's a... Oh, yeah, it's why a, would you go during the day? I mean, the whole point is that no. they're, they're lit up with neon lights, right? Absolutely, yeah. So you can't just go and wander around. It is a... a you must book it in advance, and it's a docent-led tour. I mean, I guess you could technically show up and see if there's a slot available, but mm. I don't know why you would do that. Book it in advance. Book it three to four weeks out, especially if you want to go at night, which mm. is the best time to go. And they are docent-led tours. So in, in looking at each sign... The docent will explain to you, will, will tell you a story that illuminates, no pun intended, mm-hmm. the history of Las Vegas. So, for example, you might walk past the sign for the Sands Hotel, the famous Sands Hotel, yeah. which is where, which later became the Venetian once it was, you know, ex- imploded and bulldozed. This is where the Rat Pack played. And they'll talk about how the limousine would pull up in the 1950s and, you know, Peter Lorre would get out, right? And then Dean Martin would get out. And then Frank Sinatra would get out, right? It would be like this big fanfare. But Sammy Davis Jr. would stay in the limo. They would drive him around. They would drive him around the back. And he would have to go through the kitchen because no people of color were allowed on the casino floor. Uh, Like, that is bananas. Yeah. And so, like, you're getting this history of Vegas's, like, mob pass, racial segregation pass. It's frontier. It's Wild West frontier days. All in this tour. It is so great. So that's another one that I just love. Yeah. Okay. Then I've got one for you. Would yeah. you say save it or skip it? Roller coasters in Vegas. I think the iconic one is at the top of New York, New York. And then oh. there's one in Circus Circus. Save it or skip yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the Strat has a bunch of rides at the top of it as well. That's right. Which is, but formerly, we should say formerly the Stratosphere. It's now called the Strat. Mm. Um, all caps. Yeah. So I have done the New York, New York roller coaster. It was fun. It's not amazing as far as roller coasters go. So it is the type of roller coaster you, 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 if you're like with kids or if you want to do something quintessentially Vegas, but if you're a thrill seeker, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I actually think the better attraction is the high roller, which mm, is the, nice. the largest. I, at the time it was built, you know, it's, it's now six or seven years old. It was the largest observation wheel. So meaning like a Ferris wheel in the world. I don't know if it's since been eclipsed. But the high roller is great. And again, you got to do it at night or at sunset. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. What, what is your opinion on some of those rides? I'd, I'd say like, if that's your thing, if you're a, a coaster head, like go for it, try them out. To me, I, I don't want that to be the last thing I ever do. You know what I mean? I'm like convinced that I'll shoot off the edge of the roller coaster top of Circus Circus and like <laughs> spiral off and hit, run into the Eiffel Tower. Like I'm convinced that that is going to happen one day. And I don't want I don't want to be the person in that coaster when it does. They're not like they're not they're not maintained the way that Disneyland roller coasters are. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's also worth noting that you don't go to Disneyland and fill yourself with booze and, you know, right? right? Like, I'm not sure. I, uh, after, right. You know. Am I looking for like a 2 a.m. slice of pizza or a 2 a.m. roller coaster? Like, those are, those, those are the bill that they fit. That's right. All right. I'm going to give you one last icon. And maybe it's almost premature to call this an icon, but people know it and they love it. Hmm. Have you heard of or visited Seven Magic Mountains? I have. How funny that you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. It's south of the city. And it's brightly painted rocks that are stacked on top of each other, kind of like gumdrops. Um, it yeah. must be yeah. what? Oh. Like, must, be, must be what? Like 15, 20 minutes outside of the city? Not even? Yeah, it's actually on Las Ve- South Las Vegas Boulevard, but like like literally 20 miles south of like the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign. And I love your description as like stacked gumdrops. Oh. That is so good. <laughs> yeah. But well, it was supposed word- to be yeah. an art installation that was temporary, right? But they keep extending it. Yeah, it's, it's the work of Swiss artist... Ugo Rondinone, and it was, it was, I think it was, 
I think it debuted four or five years ago now and was meant to have a two-year mm. run and they keep extending it. I'm guessing it's just there now. I think so. People still love it. I mean, I, I when I drove by Las, when I drove past South Las Vegas Boulevard on I-15 three weeks ago, you know, everybody was outside taking their photos of it. Like it's the so The only reason they would take it down is I guess like if they have to continue paying the artist for it or if they mm, wanted to use mm-hmm. that space for something else, right? Like why else right. would they, why would they take it down? Right, but it's in the middle of nowhere, so that, that I don't think they're using it for something else. I yeah. mean, it is like it's in the middle of nowhere. But you're right; they they do probably have to continue paying the artists. So that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, uh, And and so, what's your opinion? Skip it or, or see it? I mean, do it for the gram. Like that is definitely <laughs> one. <laughs> it's one of those things. You go out there, you take your pictures, you you know, you do whatever. But there's nothing else out there to your point. So you're going exclusively to see these brightly painted rocks. And I will say, it is in the middle of like the vastness of the Nevada desert. Mm, so if you mm-hmm, want some really yeah. cool pictures and are willing to sweat it out and be in the heat for a little bit, some of the views in that area are gorgeous because there's nothing else going on. So yeah, it's cool cool yeah. to do once for sure. Absolutely, right. Exactly. It's a one-time... Whereas I can stop at least for a few minutes in front of those Bellagio fountains anytime they're going. Oh, totally. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Seven Magic Mountains, you do it once and then you do it again only if you're bringing a Vegas, yeah. you know, a Vegas virgin who's never seen it before. Yeah, so uh, I, I want to ask you about yeah. um, hotels in Vegas. I think for a lot of people, when you, think of ho- when you think of Vegas, you think of the iconic MGM Grand, the Bellagio, the Venetian, some of the classic names, the Sands that you mentioned that's no longer... Like a lot of people picture these massive hotels and casinos. And so like, talk to me about hotels in Vegas. Yeah. So I once had a mission to overnight at every Vegas hotel on the strip, or I should say Vegas resort, which is what they prefer to call themselves. Mm -hmm. But that was once a mission of mine and I've gotten through many. So I've stayed at Caesars. I've stayed at, I've stayed at um, the Bellagio. I've stayed at MGM Grand. I've stayed at New York, New York, Mandalay Bay, Circus Circus, the Link. I mean, I've hit a ton of them, but I did, I ended up giving up on that because they opened a new resort a couple of years ago (laughs) that I fell in love with. And I was like, this is my home now. This is my Vegas home. Which one? And that's the Park MGM. Oh, I love Park MGM. I do too. So a few words about that. Okay. So first of all, I want to say I called this years and years ago. I remember thinking, you know what Vegas needs? It needs a park on the strip, like a public green space. And of course, I thought it will never happen mm. because because you can't put slot machines in a park. I thought it will never happen. And then lo and behold, like five years ago, they opened up the park, which is a green space between, if people can picture this, New York, New York, and the old Monte Carlo, which is now gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I thought this is great. And it's not the kind of park we would think of. First of all, one thing the city of Las Vegas is great at is that it does. It's a desert, right? Vegas is in the desert. They do not plant grass. Mm -hmm. The city incentivizes people through tax breaks to only plant desert foliage. And Vegas does that right. Whereas here in Los Angeles, in Beverly Hills, they are still watering their lawns with water. We do not have (laughs) in Vegas. They've got it right. So it's a different kind of park. It's a park with fountains. It's a park with a big giant plaza restaurant spilling off to it with like beer halls and games and stuff. It's got a beautiful sculpture uh, called Bliss dance that was taken from Burning Man. It's like the centerpiece. You've got T-Mobile Arena where the Vegas Knights play on one side. I think the park is great just as a buffer between resorts because one thing about Vegas that a lot of people don't like is that you're constantly just going from one resort to another. You can't really walk the strip up and down. You get pushed into resorts. But the reason I love Park MGM, which opened in the old Monte Carlo, right? They did a, a renovation, is that 
you have elbow room because you walk out the, 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 under, out of the casino and you have a park on one side. Yeah. That's so cool. And because it's called the Park MGM, the vibe is park-like. So it's not gimmicky. It's not a pyramid or uh, you know the Eiffel Tower. It's meant to feel like rustic and you know park-like and bucolic. And so yeah. like when you're checking in the lobby, you look overhead and it's all these ceiling branches. Yeah. Right. And like and like the luxury wing of that resort is the Nomad, which is this like elegant New York based like hotel concept. There's one in Los Angeles as well. Yeah. If you got like and, two grand a night, go stay at the Nomad. Yeah, totally. I mean it's not it's not that bad because it's Vegas. You can still find those deals. But the the Nomad is great though. Yeah. I also like that the the Park MGM is a smaller resort. Whereas you can like, I've literally, Matt, I'm a Vegas expert and I've wandered around Caesars thinking I'm never going to get out of here. Like I have no idea <laughs> where the door is. You 40 minutes to get to the front door from your hotel room. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Um, but the Park MGM, you walk, you're on the casino floor, you're like, yep, those are the elevators. That's Las Vegas Boulevard. I, yeah. it's, it's one way and one way. It's like so easy. Yeah. I like Park MGM a lot. I think you, you yeah. hit it right when you talk about the size of it. It feels totally manageable compared to some of the major, or like the, the gigantic resorts. But there's also some great dining there. If I could jump in about that, absolutely. There's an there's Please. an Italy there for yep. most people who've been yeah. to the one in New York or Chicago or LA. Italy is is grown and become iconic, and it's fun to find that there. Great Italian, great spot for like to grab a classy wine before you hit the slots or whatever. Right, and Italy is right. Italy faces the street. You can enter from the street to Italy. You don't even have to go That's through the right. resort. But it is next door to. They just opened about a year ago now a Crack Shack. Oh, like the chicken, the fried chicken spot? Yeah. Oh, Crack Shack is great. Yeah. I didn't know that they opened that there. Yeah, San Diego-based fried chicken concept. Great to get like fried chicken or a big chicken sandwich. And it is addictive. I mean, it is appropriately called, it is aptly named Crack Shack. So that's there now too. Keep going, Yeah, yeah. Well, the only other record that I want to make there is Best Friend. Have you been to Best Friend before? Yep, that was the top Ugh. of my when we get to restaurants list. So, yeah, t- t- so I'm, tell, I'm tell, tell people about because, Best Friend. I'm butting in because we're on Park MGM. It's a Roy Choi restaurant. Roy Choi is a, is a renowned chef. He's famous for like a gourmet Korean taco truck called Kogi. Um, in this place, it's like bar- a Korean barbecue, Mexican fusion. Yeah. I'd say the restaurant and and even like the there's an entry waiting space. It feels really busy, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It feels kind of like an adult. You walk into an adult candy store. They're color, yeah. colorful tiles, big art meals on the wall. Yeah. And then when you so walk fun. when you walk into the restaurant itself, there's like greenery hanging from the ceiling. Again, more LA based art murals. We went there with a big group and just ordered the works. Like we weren't yes. messing around. We got kimchi fried rice and yuzu shrimp and pork dumplings, marinated cucumbers. They're famous, I think, for their fried chicken. And we got some of that too. And it just like hit the spot. So yeah. I absolutely recommend Best Friend. I love that place as well. And we should mention all the servers wear 80s tracksuits. <laughs> That's right. I forgot yeah, which about is, that. Which is such a fun <laughs> Oh touch. my gosh. Okay. Uh, Take, talk me back about hotels. Talk to me. Yeah. Okay. So I think the other resort that has to me the best food program is Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Oh, so true. Food of yeah, so great. Cosmopolitan is so much fun. I mean, real quickly, they have, they just opened, I don't know if you've been yet, Block 16 Urban Food Hall. No. So it's got a Hattie B's, which is a famous fried chicken restaurant. It's got, um, it's got a place called Lardo, which is like pork sandwiches, and they are so good. Mm. There is a speakeasy hidden within the food hall called Ghost Donkey. Mm. Like it's down a hall. You have to like, you know, oh, you open this door and you're like, oh, there's a little bar with like eight stools. Like yeah. that's it, you know, which is like such a cool thing and kind of fun in Vegasy. But also the Cosmopolitan has Rose Rabbit Lie, which uh, is just like, yes. yeah, it's a super fun supper club. Have you been? I have been. Yeah. It's like, 
Yeah. It's like it, we walked in and it was like walking into like a 1920s jazz lounge. There was a beautiful woman yes. singing yeah. in like a small yeah. jazz band behind her and the cocktails were flowing and the servers looked yeah. cool. We sat at a back table and just, you know, ate our fill. It's a really cool spot. Totally. It's got a great burger place called Holstein's. Mm-hmm. It's got um, a great tapas place or, or like Spanishy tapas by Jose Andres. It's a Jose Andres restaurant called Haleo. And it's got a Momofuku and Milk Bar, which is David Chang's. You know, David Chang like has an empire of restaurants in yeah. New York City, and he's finally letting the rest of us taste his amazing food. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm not surprised Cosmopolitan snatched up a Momofuku yeah. and a Milk Bar, and Milk Bar is the dessert bar next door to it. And uh, lastly, it's got Chandelier Bar, which is its most famous fixture. Right when you walk into Cosmopolitan, you see chandeliers everywhere, and it has this center like floating bar where you can get the secret drink called the verbena mm. and it has it has um it'll make your mouth go numb what <laughs> yeah 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 get get this drink next to yeah. you get we the, should give a surgeon verbena. general's warning about the <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the menu but it but you ask for it and it numbs your mouth for like a minute how fun the verbena super fun Good rec. yeah the verbena. can i add one additional cosmo rec please secret pizza oh i don't know this secret pizza it's as close as you're going to get in vegas at least that i've heard to like buy the slice pizza place like you might find you know on you know off the road in new york uh it's i believe on the third floor of cosmo you walk down a long hallway that's lined with old record covers and you get to the counter and it's like you're at a pizza counter at like a dumpy mall there's a bud light sign there are stacks of pizza boxes there's an arcade game in the corner and it's like five bucks a slice or 30 bucks for a pizza but it's it's as close as you're going to get to like a late night pizza spot where you just want to slice Nice. Yeah, secret, nice, p- secret nice, pizza. Nice. A couple other hotel wrecks. I um I don't stay downtown. And the reason I don't is because on weekends, they play live music until about 2 a.m. on Fremont Street, mm. like live bands play. And unfortunately, those old casinos aren't soundproof the way and don't have the space. They're all like cheek by jowl. So I, I was, I mean, I have nights where I've been in my room thinking, when is this going to end? I can't get to sleep. But my favorite one is downtown Grand because of their rooftop pool, mm. which is called, um, hang on a second, which is called Citrus Pool Deck. It's not a huge pool. It's a total place where locals will go. It's totally unpretentious. Mm. It's totally spaced out, like even pre-COVID, like you've got elbow room up there. And it's just like, you can tell you're like, this isn't a strip pool party. Like this is mellow. It's low key. You know, I feel comfortable here. So I like the downtown grand if I'm, if I'm staying downtown. Yeah. Downtown. And we should clarify, like, cause I know that before I learned this down, when I heard downtown, I was like, oh, they mean the strip. I didn't know that downtown was an area. It's just, it's just Northish of the strip. Right. And it, yeah. to your point, it does feel a lot more like you're maybe like on bourbon street in new Orleans or something where it's like a long strip, famous Fremont street that is yeah. sort of a party. And so when you're staying at one of the hotels, that's adjacent. It can be, it can be kind of loud. Yeah. And, and one of the things that's great about downtown is that it's gridded. Mm. Right. So, yeah. So, so Fremont Street is arguably the main drag. But then all the streets that crisscross it, unlike the unlike the, the strip, yeah. have all kinds of great things on it. And, you know, that, that's going to that's going to come under some of my restaurant and bar wrecks as we as we talk a little bit a little bit yeah. later here. But like but downtown has its own separate vibe. It's super fun. You're more likely to find locals there. And on weekends, I mean, it's a it's a mob scene like it's happening. Container Park is down there with is that which is that like fun outdoor mall slash playground slash uh, food court made of shipping containers. So yeah. like. You know, it's got its own fun vibe. Um, and so we should say, side note, uh, we are still in a global pandemic. So please don't go right now and party with 20,000 of your best friends. But when it does open up again. <laughs> that is sage advice. Yeah. 
Uh, can I jump in with one hotel wreck? Yeah, you can jump in with five hotel yeah. wrecks. <laughs> I only have one that I that I will really stand by. Again, I think most of the times that I've traveled for work, I actually wasn't in charge of where we stayed, but I've stayed at the big boys in Vegas, MGM Grand, Bellagio, Venetian, uh, Aria, one of the more, more recent times. And right across from Aria are the Vidara Suites. They are awesome. So what I love is that they are, it's called the Suites at the Vidara. And so all the rooms are a little bit larger. They're all suite properties. And so it's got fewer rooms than some of the, the larger resorts, but they're all suites. And so you will get a cush room at not uh, uh, too heavy of a price. And then the other thing I love is that it's a non-casino hotel. So yeah. it's right across from Aria if you do want to go do some gambling. But when you are done with that, you don't have to walk through the casinos to get to your room and smell people smoke. If you're like just ready to be done with it, you walk in front door at Vidara, elevators are right there, you head straight to your room, and it's 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 really nice to come back to after a full day and night in Vegas. Yep, I compl- couldn't agree with you more. That was my last rec as well. Oh, like good. Vidara, Vidara is MGM owned, but it's a non-gaming concept. And so you do not hear the ling, 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 ling of the slot machines. <laughs> it is just like its own different vibe. And the rooms are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to give a rec uh, that you actually passed on to me, which Ooh. is a cob. Oh, yeah. You gave tell me this rec, everyone, and I am tell so everyone grateful about you Akab. did. So Akab, I don't really know how to describe it, other than that it's an interactive art exhibit by James Terrell, yeah. who's an artist known for like his light, his architectural exhibits. And it is a secret light exhibit underneath the Louis Vuitton store on the strip just outside of Aria. It is free, and it is by appointment only. And boy, do you need to call ahead, like... Give it some. Give it a couple months and expect to go a random Tuesday at two thirty p.m. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you get yeah. ready to plan ahead, but it's free. So when you do get there, it's amazing. What it is, you walk through the Louis Vuitton store. You tell them you're there for your appointment. Somebody comes and gets you, and you take an elevator down to a dark room. You take your shoes off and what I and walk into. I guess what I can only really describe is like a tunnel of light. It's a series of large cylindrical rooms that that change color really slowly over time. But you are just there with your party. So I was there with three other people and our host yeah. is standing over in the corner trying to be invisible. Yeah. You can hear a pin drop. There's nothing yeah. happening. It's just in this large light tunnel. Um, and because the tunnel is the, itself is white and, and it has all these lights cast over it, you can't really tell where the rooms begin or end. So you feel sort of like you're, you're tripping a little bit. We stayed for like maybe 15 or 20 minutes and you totally lose track of time, though, because you're deep underground in these weird light tunnels. What a cool experience that was. I don't think I had ever done anything like that in Vegas before. And it was free. Yeah, it's awesome. And you will never get booked with another party. If you and one person reserve it at 1130 on a Tuesday, it's just, they're not going to like, I mean, I'm talking regardless of COVID. They're not going to like foist others on you. It's just you and your party, which makes it such a special experience. Yeah, that's unique and, in Vegas to find that. <laughs> yeah, it, t- totally. And to reiterate, it's at the, the the flagship Louis Vuitton store at the Shops at Crystal's. So that's right. that, that garish shopping complex right near Aria and the Cosmopolitan and pretty close to Park MGM. So very like mid-strip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah great recommendation. Matt, have you ever had a meal in Las Vegas? my most recent experience like within the last five years is going for yeah. conferences where you sort of like all bustle into like a big kitchen they're trying to feed five thousand. you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean yeah, so yeah, yeah but actually we named a couple of the my favorite places i stand by best friend as like probably the first rec i would give to somebody who just needs an absolute path spot but Absolutely. i want to turn that over to you actually and hear some of your top recs yeah i've got a few recs so i do think that 
people when they visit Vegas should venture off the strip. So my first rec is going to be in the arts district. Mm. So the arts district is not the strip. It's not Fremont Street or downtown. It's that it's that zone in between. So a lot of people, when they're driving from the Strip to downtown Vegas, right, if you're, if you're on Las Vegas Boulevard, you'll see like the Chapel of Love and like all that stuff. You'll see like gas stations and mm. like, you'll see like, you know, like flea bag motels. And, but just off of Las, Las Vegas Boulevard, there's this booming area called the 18B Arts District, although I don't think any locals actually call it. I think the 18B has kind of been dropped, but that's mm. its official name. And I went there a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, ending my last road trip and driving through Vegas. And our friend, Christopher, a.k.a. Edie, the host of Zumanity at Cirque du Soleil, mm-hmm. New York, New York, recommended. He was like, you know what? Go to this place in the arts district called Esther's Kitchen. Mm. It was great. So first of all, I'd never done the arts district at night, but like they've like strung up pretty lights across the streets. It's like got a lot of bars, like the Velveteen Rabbit and all these other like hipster places. Restaurant scene was booming because of COVID. Lots of streets, lots of, excuse me, lots of tables were like outside, although there is limited indoor seating right now in Las Vegas. Mm. Um, But it's a cool area. And Esther's Kitchen is like exactly the kind of neighborhood restaurant you wouldn't expect to see in Vegas, but that surprise Vegas actually has a lot of. So it's called Esther's Kitchen. It's Italian food. They were like, we love the bartender. He's this bisexual cutie. Sure enough, he was working that night and he was adorable. (laughs) He took, he took great care of me. The owner ended up coming over and was like, oh, so you're a Vegas fan and who sent you here? And you know, you're visiting from LA. How'd you find us? That's so weird. Mm. Had a great conversation and the food was lovely. Mm. Just like lovely. Here's another secret Vegas place that anyone who's listening to this who knows Vegas really, really well is going to be like, oh, he mentioned that and he shouldn't have. He's ruining, he's like ruining the best kept secret in Vegas. But I was, I was being shown around Vegas a handful of years ago. I was, I was on assignment writing a story. And so I had a private driver, which was crazy. So, you know, like that's how you want to do Vegas, right? Like a limousine. So the driver is taking me to Palace Station, which is a casino off the strip by about a mile. And it famously is where OJ Simpson was finally busted for stealing sports memorabilia. Mm. So it kind of has a claim to fame. But the, but the, the, the station casinos are actually a, a chain of casinos around Vegas. Palace Station is probably most famous and it's most famous restaurant. So he asked me, he's like, why are you going to Palace Station? What, what's there if you're working? And I said, oh, there's a restaurant there, which I had never heard of, by the way, called Oyster Bar. Mm. And he was like, oh my gosh. He's like, that is the best restaurant in Vegas. Please don't write about it. He's like, it needs to be kept a secret. The lines are already long enough. So I go there. It's barely a restaurant. It's like an arc-shaped bar with 18 bar stools at it. That's it. That's the whole restaurant. <laughs> you, when you, again, this is non-COVID times, right? You put your name on the wait list and you just have to stand on the casino floor and wait hour, two, three hours to get one of the 18 seats. There's no like, we'll buzz you, go play slot machines, which you'd think Vegas would be all about. But you just stand there and then you wait and you just have these like, you have these seafood uh, stews that are so good. I mean, mm. I, I don't know how to... They're, they're called pan roasts and they're just filled with like a melange of like, you know, clams and shrimp and crab. And it's just like, it's just like yummy, brothy, like in winter. I can't even do it justice. It's so good. Um, mm. So that's like one of my secret Vegas wrecks. And by the way, I did recommend this to a friend of mine and she was like, oh my gosh. She's like, my husband and I loved that place. 
That's uh, good because yeah, well, yeah. because like I was thinking about this because you and I are in the business of making recommendations to other people, right? Sometimes when you go to a place and a friend has been like, "It's the best thing ever." You go yeah. and you're like, "Oh, I guess that was okay." Like the expectation is too high for what it actually was. And so yeah. I love that your friend went and was like, "It was just as good as Jason said." <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's not I mean, it's not a it's not it's a very affordable place to go. It's yeah. not like cheap, like, oh my gosh, it's seven dollars. It's not like that. But it's not like a Vegas sit-down restaurant where you're like, oh, we ordered, you know, we shared an appetizer, an entree, a dessert, and two cocktails, and it's 150 bucks. You sure. know, it's not like that at all. Also, I don't think a lot of people know this. Vegas has a huge, sprawling, like several miles long, awesome Chinatown. Does it really? Where? It is so Good. So it, it goes for miles. I think the, the, the main drag is Spring Valley Road, um, although a, a Vegas local might, might correct me. But um, and of course, you can easily look it up. But it's cool because it's it's everything's in a strip mall, right? Like, you know, off the strip. But uh, everything is also like pagodas, mm. like it's mm -hmm, done like mm -hmm. and it's not just Chinese food. It's South Asian food. It's Japanese food. It's Korean food. It's Vietnamese. It's Thai. Mm. There are great restaurants there. So I think you can go there and just have like, you know, amazing Szechuan or mm. amazing, like I'm talking hole in the wall food, right? But if you're a foodie, you would probably go there to go to a Japanese grill called Roku. So this is a restaurant. It's in a strip mall. It's open super late. It's where all the chefs go when their restaurants close. I mean, it's probably been there ten years from now. Uh, ten years now. So like the the you know, it's no longer like the new the new buzzy place. But it's a great Vegas mainstay. It's all small plates and everything's grilled. And although I have not dined there, I have dined at their sister restaurant in the same strip mall, which is. Um, called Roku Dessert. Mm. And so it's just a little dessert palace where again, you just go you just go there, you sit at a bar and you just order like a fancy dessert and they bring it out like several, it's like it's like several courses of dessert. Maybe you get like a little port wine or a little dessert wine. That's a great- See, uh, a this nice, is why uh, I love talking to you about Vegas because you just gave a description of a place that I would expect to find in like the back alley of a Los Angeles neighborhood. You know, some, yeah. some random hole in the wall Szechuan spot. I would not expect that description to describe some place in Las Vegas. And if I have to recommend a downtown place, downtown actually has this great vibrant food scene, but there's a place I love if you just want food on the go called Flock and Fowl. Mm, great name. Yeah, it's a great, it's like, it's like simple Chinese restaurant. It's actually specializes in um, Hainanese cooking. So their, their main dish is just Hainanese? poached chicken. Yeah. Hain what, poached what, what country is that? Or like what, Hainanese, what oh, is that? How dare you ask that? <laughs> How dare you ask I'm that? like trying to be honest, like I've never heard that and I don't know what that means. <laughs> Hainanese is, is, is from immigrants from Hainan in southern China and then they adapted uh, from the Hainanese dish Wenchang chicken. Uh, so that's how you get, that's how you get Hainanese there's chicken. There's a place called Hainan China. I understand. I didn't, I didn't know there was a place called Hainan China. Hainanese. Yeah. So um, it's really simple. It's poached chicken. It's served over rice with like accoutrements on the side, but it's, it's like, it, it's melt in your mouth. Like I'm not even a mm. fan of poached chicken, but it's like melt in your mouth food. So that's another good restaurant. That's I great. Mean, look, yeah. I, I'll give one if we want to head back to yeah. the strip. The only other Please. place that I want to recommend, um, and it actually has very little to do with the food, but the place itself is called Mon Ami Gabi, G-A-B-I. It's, oh, yeah. it's at Paris, Las Vegas. And it's, it's known for outdoor dining. And I would say only go if you can get a seat outside because yeah. I love people watching and Vegas is one of the yeah. best places to people watch. If you can get a patio seat, it's right outside Paris, Las Vegas and the patio faces the famous 
fountains of Bellagio, like we talked about. So you'll see yeah. the sweeping architecture of Bellagio right behind the facade of all the fountains. As you're sitting there having espresso and an omelet, like outside in the patio, your people watching. It really is fun to just go sit and plant yourself for an hour. Um, I don't even remember all that much what I ate, but I do remember just like keeping my eyes up. And it's a great place to sit outside if, you know, if the weather is right. Um, that, that place is a gem. I love that joint as well. It's like unfussy, classic French food, yeah. but it's served like, it's like bistro style. It's not super expensive. It's a Chicago-based concept actually, but I'm glad there's oh, cool. one in Vegas. And if you are craving fancy French, my recommendation there is Bardo Brasserie at the Aria, which is a Michael Minor restaurant. And that's like, you're taking your French game up a notch, but you still don't want stuffy, super expensive. Like, I, I like that place. Yeah, yeah, great, um, great food wrecks. Um yeah. I want to give a quick shout to like some family friendly options because another we talked earlier nice. we talked earlier about Vegas is is a misunderstood city and I think it I don't want to say it wrongly gets assumed that it's just a party city because it definitely is if that's what you're looking for but it is my my first experiences going there were like going as a teenager I used to go every year for a basketball tournament and I was you know I was less than 15 at the time and so I obviously couldn't do a lot of the adult parts of Vegas that most people know um, and so I'll give I'll give a couple recs. I would say like for kids and families, go do Coca Cola Museum, go do M and M's World, take your kids to GameWorks and spend too much money. Those are like some of the classic things you can do. But two others that I want to recommend. One is there is a like a Marvel Avengers Museum. Basically, it's called the Avengers Station. And Station they've made into a big acronym that I don't remember what it stands for. But it's at Treasure Island, and it's an interactive museum that's devoted exclusively to Marvel movies and the Avengers characters. So if you're a fan like me, it's super, super fun. You get to see props and costumes from the movies. There are games when you get to emulate some of the characters in your favorite hero. You get to hold Thor's hammer, and there's a huge wall of Iron Man suits that's really cool that you can take pictures with. So it's family-friendly. It's a hit for any Marvel fans. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I, I, only, I can't imagine that it's been there for more than a few years. Um, yeah, that that makes sense. And we should say Treasure Island is now TI. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they I mean they changed <laughs> the hotel they formerly known as Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, they upgrade and change those things all oh the God, time. I'll never keep up. And then the other one is there there are actually several different amazing botanical gardens in in and throughout Las Vegas and they're hidden within the museums. I know there's one at Caesar's Palace, but the one I Within the resorts. Uh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Not the museums. Um, within the resorts. I think there's, there is there is one at Caesars Palace that's awesome, but I'm going to recommend the one that's at the Bellagio, the Botanical Gardens at Bellagio. Great for kids. It's 14,000 square feet, and it's like a big floral playground. Highly decorative, super colorful. And the coolest part to me is that it changes seasonally. So it's like walking through a Disneyland ride or stepping into Alice in Wonderland. Like there might be a miniature merry-go-round that's all lit up and surrounded by purple flowers or like a giant painting like the birth of Venus, but it's all made out of flowers, like a parade float. There are statues and giant trees and tons of colorful flowers. It really is pleasant to just go walk around it or even find a place to sit. And again, people watch, which is so much fun. And that's buried deep within the Bellagio. It's so freaking beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's best at Chinese New Year. Oh, so I like, been. like like January, February. Oh, it's so beautiful. That's my favorite time to visit uh, the conservatory and gardens at the Bellagio. Yeah. And but, that's also um, just a great yeah. time to go to Vegas in general. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like, it's not pool season yet, right. but it's like, it's like 55 during the day, but you're like, oh, it's sunny and bright every day. So I'm warm. Yeah. And then at night it's a little crisp, but 
you can get away without a jacket, like bring a hoodie. Yeah. Because you're just going, you're just going from resort to resort here. And it's not like there's no, it's not windy. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a different kind of, it's like a dry, you know, it's like a dry cold. Yeah. It's like so much more manageable. <laughs> I mean, that's such a good point. Like when you go in, when you go in winter, you better bring a parka. Like desert, desert yeah, nights yeah. are cold. <laughs> you gave us the family side of Vegas, but we cannot take kids to bars. <laughs> and bars, I, I do want to make sure I, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to drift. I don't, I don't want to end the Vegas episode without mentioning a few cool bars. Mm. So a great downtown bar I love. And this is a dive. This is like old timey. Like this would have been a bar that would have been like raging in the 1950s. Uh, the Griffin. Ah, S- yeah. yeah. Super fun. It's it's right in the heart of downtown. It's a total like hipster scene. Locals go there. You don't need, you know, there's no, there's no doorman. There's no velvet ropes. You don't have to show up at like one in the morning like you do at a Vegas club. You just, you just pour in. It's a packed crowd. It's a fun crowd. I know it's not very, you know, this isn't, really, this is COVID. So like life is different, but like in normal times, Griffin's just a great, fun, unpretentious bar. Uh, I also need, I must recommend Bavette. Now, Bavette mm-hmm. is at Park MGM, and Bavette is a steakhouse. It's a Chicago steakhouse concept. The one in Chicago is enormously but there's popular. there's a secret speakeasy behind it, isn't there? Or like somewhere buried in it? Inside Bavette? Yeah. That I do not know. I mean, when you enter Bavette, you enter into the, you, you enter into like the front, like the main area with the host to check in, and then they take you into the main dining room, which has a giant bar like on Cheers right in the middle of it, surrounded by big curvy booths. Hmm. Um, but... Even though Bavette is a full-service restaurant, I will go there for, quote, dinner. And what I mean by dinner is I will go, I will sit at the bar, and I will order a bullet old-fashioned, so Mm. an old-fashioned with bullet whiskey, and a slice of chocolate cream pie, and that is my dinner. Like That is is my meal for the night. Yeah, you're you're an old-fashioned guy for sure. And that, that dessert is my favorite dessert in Las Vegas. Someone my age should not be eating that dessert all by myself. It is so, it is, and it comes with a huge dollop of whipped cream. It's not an over-the-top Vegas dessert. It's just like a slice of rich heavenly goodness. Yeah. But that's a great like place to go and just sit at the bar. However, if you want a straight up like bar scene and you're at Park MGM, go to the bar at the Nomad. Mm, mm-hmm. Like it's so elegant. It's so laid back. It's like tucked away on the ground floor. It's a away from the casino floor whereas Bavette is right off the casino floor yeah I, I like that your review of that dessert is like I want to make sure people understand that that's high praise you're somebody who who can love and appreciate oh. a good sweet and if you're saying it's the best dessert in Vegas go for it the the it's called the parlor room is what I was thinking of it's a speakeasy oh. at the back of um Bavette Steakhouse and it's like martinis heavy pours on scotch you know you go in you fit in right in with a black tie um it's called the parlor room yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And I think you know what, Matt. I think we've we've done we've done well in the bars. We mentioned Chandelier Bar. We mentioned um, Ghost Donkey, which is the speakeasy mm-hmm. inside Cosmopolitan. Yeah. So we mentioned Skyfall, which has the the glass wall of bathrooms where you can see the strip while you pee. Yeah. Uh, the so only, the only last one that came to my mind that I think is worth yeah. naming is On the Record. Have you been to On the oh, Record before? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I aren't really club people, but no. On the Record is like the one Vegas nightclub I will go to. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, we don't need to make nightclub recommendations. Go do your thing. On the Record is slightly different. It's it's smaller yeah. than most of the other nightclubs. And totally. it is an equal split between like speakeasy, 
cool music bar venue and nightclub. So there is a, there are several bar speakeasy rooms too that are just like lined with bookshelves. You feel like you would you know walk in out of Chicago, yeah. you know Chicago back alley or something. Um, yeah, karaoke so, rooms. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. It's got a lot more character than some of the nightclubs that you're there for you know one particular reason. So that's the last one that I'll recommend. But I think that we've really we've really covered the spectrum for Vegas. Anything that you would be remiss if we didn't name? The only two things that, like, I, we have done well, my friend. The only <laughs> two things that uh, I want to draw people to before we move on to our next segment is um, Vegas is surrounded by natural beauty. So if you have the time, go spend an entire afternoon at Valley of Fire State Park. Mm. It is the closest thing you can have on Earth to being on Mars. It is just, like, swirling Red Rock goodness. The fur, you know, you know how like they always say like bighorn sheep live in these like desert mountain landscapes, but you never see them, and you're like, I cry bullshit. <laughs> they do, they do not. That's that's a that's a national park myth. No, you or a state park. You get to um, Valley of Fire State Park. First thing I saw, like a standing atop like this beautiful swirling red rock, like in the middle of a valley, was like eight bighorn sheep just like mm. staring at me. Oh my god, so cool. And if you now the Valley of Fire State Park is about an hour from Vegas. So you have to make a day of it. If you want the same hiking experience closer, go to Red Rock Canyon, mm, which is mm -hmm. maybe 30 minutes from the strip. And the last thing I would recommend is that it's a big thing in Vegas to do a spa day. The spa that I love is Qua Spa at Caesars. Mm. So I go there because it's done Roman, like like Roman bathhouse style. It's not cheap if you're, I'm not sure what the price is if you're staying at Caesars, but if you're visiting, it's 65 during the week and 75 on weekends, which is a lot just to use their communal facilities. But I'll go there at like 10 in the morning, hang out there for a couple hours, go have lunch, go back for a couple hours, go do some, go lay by a pool, come back for a couple hours because you can get in and out privileges yeah. for one full day. But it's great. They have a room. So this is a traditional bathhouse, right? Where it's like, you can do like the cold plunge and the hot plunge and the steam room and the sauna. There's one room where it snows. So you can just hang out. And it's just I love a good spot. I, I, I mean, only in Vegas, right? Yeah, that's like, a great note because Vegas does have yeah. some of, and that's maybe like a secret that not as many people know about. Vegas has some of the best spas in the world. Totally, a lot of them yeah. are at the resorts, just so you, you know, people are aware as they're hunting. Yeah, and many of them are like high end. I mean, like you know, some of the best these in the world, are for sure. Absolutely, they're not messing around. I think the um, I think the spa at Mandalay Bay is another good one. Mm -hmm. So kind of if you're if you're on the other opposite end of the strip. But uh, yeah, we've well we've done, done friend. It. Well done. All right. So we're moving on to a segment called What Happened Here? This is a storytelling history segment where we dive into a little bit of history or a fun aspect or fun story about our destination or theme. And Jason, you're up this week for our finale. I am, this, I am up this week. Now, Matt, one thing we did not talk about was we did not talk about, I mean, Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. And we did not talk about shows, but we held off for a reason. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so because my history lesson is dedicated to a very special Las Vegas entertainer. So let me ask you this question, Matt. I've seen a lot of shows in Vegas. Is that something you've engaged in at all? I've never seen a show in Vegas. And I, you know, what? I, I know, I know, I know. I think, I think part of it is because like, I always had a purpose for going to Vegas and I wasn't really, I wasn't as much in charge of my own schedule, but I've never seen a show yeah. in Las Vegas. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of shows when I first started going to Vegas. I was captivated by, let's go, you know, let's go to the $5 craps tables. Let's go yeah. have some food. Let's go, you know, I would like go off strip to find like the gay bars because they're not really on the strip. I did all those things. But as I started to mature with the destination, you know, as, as I'd been there many times, I was like, it's time to go start seeing some shows. So, of course, the Cirque shows are great. 
everybody knows the big Cirque shows like Michael Jackson's Love, uh, sorry, Michael Jackson's O, and um, uh, sorry, wait, hold on, we need, we have to cut that too. Sorry to make you do all this editing. Everybody knows the big Cirque shows, like we mentioned Zumanity at New York, New York, there's Mystere at TI, uh, there's O at the Bellagio, so those shows are great, but competing with the big Cirque shows is a company called Spiegel World, mm. and they have a show, they do intimate shows, but it's that same sort of like depth-defying acrobatics, but up close and personal. So there's a show in a tent in front of Caesars called Absinthe. It's my favorite Vegas show, uh, and it's thanks to this MC who moderates the show, who's the host, and he's super bawdy and rowdy and funny, and he banters with the audience, and it's not politically correct, and he makes fun of everybody, <laughs> and, and, and the, the acts are spectacular, and they are right in front of your face. And they've got two other shows on the Strip now. Uh, Absinthe actually has started up. They've started to reintroduce shows on the Strip. Absinthe has started up because it's a small show in a tent. And they're doing like one quarter of the audience. But the other two shows that we can look forward to returning uh, soon would be Opium at Cosmopolitan and then Atomic Saloon at the Venetian. Hmm. I've seen Atomic Sal uh, Saloon, not as good as um, Absinthe, but also really fun. And then... Uh, I love seeing magic shows, Matt. <laughs> like, ah, you know what? As soon as you said that, I realized I've seen yeah. Penn and Teller. I didn't. I would. I didn't consider oh, that. Like, I don't know why yeah. I didn't consider that one of the shows, but I have seen Penn and Teller. And that's at the Rio, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a fun show? Super fun. I mean, oh, I, good. I'm here for magic. I'm here to be fooled. I don't need to try to see under the table. You know what I mean? So I, I love it, and th their yeah, dynamic I'm, is so fun. I'm the same way you are. I, I, you know, like I've seen Matt Franco. I've seen the Naked Magicians. I've seen David Copperfield. And if like you came up to me, Matt, and like pulled a quarter out from behind my ear, my jaw would hit the floor. Like I, <laughs> you like, were the I ideal audience see. for a magic show. <laughs> I will go see. And then of course, there's the show that changed my life, which is the Beatles' Love. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right when you discovered so wait, the Beatles, mere yeah, you know, several yeah, years yes. ago, <laughs> in in my early forties, I was like, I was meeting a girlfriend of mine Easter weekend. She was coming in the next day. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll go see the Beatles Cirque show. I was like, I like Cirque shows, and I was like, don't they sing? Like, I'll know their songs, right? Don't they sing like "Can't Buy Me Love" and "Twist and Shout"? Like, oh that's God. probably fine. <laughs> And then I went and saw that show and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea they sang everything. <laughs> Every song you've ever liked is influenced like, by a Beatles song. <laughs> yeah, like I, like I had no idea, Matt. They sang Hey Jude and Yesterday and Here Comes the Sign. Oh I mean, all that stuff. So that was a great show. Okay, but you want to talk about life-changing shows, Matt. The life-changing Vegas show would be if you were in the audience at the International Hotel on July 31st, 1969. Because on that day, according to a press release by RCA Records, on July 31st, 1969, a tall, rangy, handsome and gifted singer, actor, performer will make his first appearance before a live audience in more than a decade <sighs> when he steps onto the stage of the new International Hotel in Las Vegas. His name is Elvis Presley. Oh, good pick. Yes. So this is the story about the man who brought rock and roll to Sin City. Okay. So picture this, Matt. It's 1960, okay? Elvis has just returned from two years in the army. He has catapulted to international superstardom, right? He is the king of rock and roll. But he's grown bored with performing live. He's even grown bored with his music, and he wants to be an actor. So he spends much of the 60s making movies, which aren't always great. Mm. And he's occasionally recording material that is no longer topping the charts. So in short... Elvis is falling off the radar. In 1968, he performs a special on NBC, which gives his career a jolt, but he needs more. 
He's craving something more. And at this point, he's only 34 years old, yeah. 35, right? He should be at the height of his powers. Okay, meanwhile, Vegas in the 1960s, okay, the Rat Pack is riding high, right? But what else is taking shape in, the, in Vegas, sorry, in the world in the 1960s? It's the beginning of rock and roll, right? It's the British invasion. It's the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the counterculture, right? Suddenly, people want to see shows at a, like an arena, like a stadium, right? They, they want to like fall over, you know, John, Paul, George, and Ringo and, and, and Mick Jagger. They don't want to go to a cabaret or a nightclub and sit there and listen to Sammy Davis Jr., you know, tell jokes, right? Like, you know, you know and, and banter with Dean Martin, right? Like that sort of supper club style is kind of out. And Vegas is losing its edge as the as entertainment capital of the world. So Vegas and Elvis are a marriage made in heaven. They, now, needed, here's they the needed thing. each other. Yeah, they did. Here's the thing. Elvis loved Las Vegas. So he first performed there in 1956 at the New Frontier Hotel with the Freddie Martin Orchestra, right? So it's like, it's an old-timey Vegas show, mm. okay? And opening for him was comedian Shecky Green. <laughs> All right? But the show is a dud because Vegas isn't a rock and roll town. Variety magazine says, for the teenagers, he's a whiz. For the Avis Vegas spender, he's a fizz. Oh, okay? <laughs> brutal. Right? But he hung out in Vegas between movie shoots. He would go there. He would pick up showgirls. He would party all night long. Uh, one of his better films, Viva Las Vegas, which of course spawned the excellent song Viva Las Vegas, mm -hmm. was filmed there in 1963. So he digs Vegas. He even married Priscilla Presley at the Aladdin Hotel in 1967. Mm. So it's not so crazy that Vegas is the city where Elvis decides to stage a comeback. So the plan, like the plan his manager wanted, was to do a traditional Vegas show featuring like, you know, choreography and like showgirls with big feathers behind him. But Elvis doesn't want that. He wanted something different, right? Okay, this is a musician who's like not, who's his whole life has sung songs that other people have written, has not been in charge of his career, has been managed at every turn. So he's, so he's, he, he's, he doesn't want the traditional Vegas show. He wants to do it, like he wants to go on stage and satisfy his musical desires, right? He wants to do it his way. So he handpicks a new backup band. He adds two backup singing groups, a girl group and a, a male vocalist group to perform with them. And he adds a 40-piece orchestra. This is going to be big. And the International Hotel, their, their concert hall seats 2,000 people, which at the time for Vegas is the largest ever. So this is a big deal. Okay, the expansive stage mat was 60 feet wide with a 10,000 pound Austrian made gold lame curtain. Mm. Yeah, the ornate decor featured crystal chandeliers and figurines of angels hanging from the ceiling and sort of this hodgepodge of ancient Greek, Roman like paintings and statuaries and stuff like that. It's a setting fit for a king. Mm. Okay, so opening night, it's packed. Okay, it's filled with celebrities, rock critics, Fans, they are all there, okay? Elvis is so nervous, he practically has to be pushed on stage. Also, he knows nothing about modern sound systems. Like, this is his first concert in front of a live audience in a decade. <laughs> so this is, yeah, so this is, he was in his mid-20s. So this is a big deal. He is outfitted. Bill Bellow is the person who created those karate outfits for him. So he's outfitted in a two-piece karate outfit, dark blue with flared pants and a sash-like belt that whips around as he moves. He's got a high-collared shirt that is unbuttoned nearly to his belly button and a scarf loosely knotted around his neck, which, according to Priscilla Presley, 
was to hide his long neck. Aww. So typically <laughs> a, for a Vegas... What a very particular thing to be self-conscious of. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Elvis is self-conscious. About Elvis his long nervous. neck. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, of course, when you're also wearing like a plunging neckline down to your belly button, yeah, that's going to make <laughs> It does make it look, look long, long, sure. Right? So typically, right, there'd be a big announcement like, ladies and gentlemen, the man you've all come here to see, the king of rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm. Elvis just walks out on stage, no announcement. <laughs> so he just saunters out of the stage, acoustic guitar slung over his shoulder, grabs the microphone with his hands trembling, and launches into blue suede shoes, and the audience loses their fucking mind. <gasps> okay? Oh. So he, he like belts them out. He goes through all shook up, don't be cruel, hound dog, in the ghetto. He starts doing rattling off cover songs from artists who he admires, like Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, Ray Charles, I Can't Stop Loving You, The Beatles yesterday. During Love Me Tender, he plants as many kisses on women in the audience as he can, but he's also doing the up-tempo songs as fast as he can because he's so embarrassed by that early 1950s output because he feels like he's grown as an artist, mm. so he wants to get to like the new, more mature uh, recordings. So like he does a seven-minute version of a new song called Suspicious Minds, which he releases during his Vegas run and which gives him his first number one hit in seven years. Mm. So the show lasts an hour and 15 minutes and Elvis is on fire. He's prowling the stage like a panther. He's doing karate kicks. He's drowning in his own sweat. He's downing water and Gatorade. He's huffing and puffing the whole time, but his voice, he's doing flips and cartwheels, but his voice (laughs) never falters. Okay. So it's not as polished as you'd expect from a Vegas show today, right? Like if you see a Cirque du Soleil show, like those things are tight. Okay. This is, he's like, he's apparently telling like dad jokes on stage, right? Like, (laughs) you know, to like ease his nervousness. Yeah. And at the end of the show, he gets a standing ovation, which by the way, was rare in Vegas at the time. Hmm. Okay. So the show is, he's booked four solid weeks. All right. And in those four solid weeks, he does seven nights a week, two shows a night. Okay. What? Not a single evening off. And every gig was sold out. After the four week run, the hotel instantly signs him up for another five years. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's true. There is some truth, right? That like over the course of the next five, six years, there's rumors that Elvis became bored with it. He started, you know, boozing too heavily, doing too many drugs. This is when we get into like overweight Elvis. You know, people accuse him yeah. in his later stage appearances of like phoning it in. But Matt, this is the show that reshaped the way Las Vegas thought of mass entertainment. So first of all, the world knew who Elvis was. So he is the one who brought middle America to Vegas for the first time, right? It's no longer just a town of high rollers anymore. People start planning their vacations to Vegas around a chance to see Elvis. Mm. All right. He also ushered in a new kind of stage show like the ones we see today where megawatt names, not just people in, you know, past their prime, but where megawatt names like Celine Dion, Elton John, Cher, Lady Gaga, you know, and so forth. Do residencies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do residencies, right? Okay, are you ready for some fun facts about this? Yeah, this story. Me. So Elvis' contract with the International paid him $100,000 a week for a four-week engagement. That matched what Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin were making at the time, putting all three at the top of the Las Vegas entertainer pale scale, uh, entertainer pale scale, entertainer pay scale. Excuse me. Uh, celebrities on opening night included Fats Domino, Sammy Davis Jr., Tom Jones, another Vegas mainstay, mm. and Margaret, George Hamilton, Carol Channing, and Harry Mancini. 
Uh, Elvis had to take care of a final bit of movie business. In early 1969, he filmed Change of Habit, a drama in which he played an inner city doctor who falls for a nun, played by Mary Tyler Moore. (laughs) The International Hotel, which opened on July 1st, 1969, right? So four weeks before he started his residency, was at the time the world's largest hotel casino at 30 stories tall with 1,500 rooms. Wow. Okay? But fun fact, this is a juicy tidbit, okay? Elvis didn't open the showroom. That distinction goes to Barbara Streisand, okay? Elvis' manager thought it was too risky for Elvis to open a a new showroom with all the technical glitches that that might bring, and here's the gossip. Elvis went and saw Streisand perform the second-to-last show of her engagement, and midway through the show, turned to one of his Memphis pals, because, you know, he was a Memphis man at heart, and said to one of his friends, she sucks. (gasps) No! Oh, man. Elvis slandered Barbara Streisand. That is high Right, (laughs) right. Okay, a few more more treats for you here, all right? Uh, As I told you, Elvis had two backup groups, right? A female backup group and a male backup group. The female backup group was named the Sweet Inspirations, and they were co-founded by Sissy Houston, Whitney Houston's mom. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And... Elvis's contract called for him to play two shows a night, an 8 p.m. show and a midnight show, and tickets began at $15, the very top of the Vegas scale at that time. Hmm. $15 okay, dollars uh, was the top? Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> $15 okay. now doesn't get you in the door. <laughs> that doesn't get you. That doesn't even get you a cocktail in a Vegas bar. That's right. <laughs> right? Okay, a few more tidbits. Okay, I love the song Viva Las Vegas. I play it every time I go to the city. The set list for that opening night show did not include that song. Wow. Which, weirdly enough, is now like Vegas' sort of unofficial theme song, mm-hmm, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the Vegas anthem. VIPs got a welcome gift box, which included two Elvis albums, a 1969 pocket calendar, two 8x10 Elvis photos, a color photo of Elvis, a brochure of Elvis records and tapes, and a press release and a stat sheet. Wow. Uh, and, let's see, I will... I will widen down with, okay, during, uh, during shows, Elvis would wipe his brow with silk scarves that he'd kiss and then give away to female fans. <gasps> Those scarves were designed and painted at Opportunity Village, a Vegas nonprofit, which provided Elvis with those scarves until the day he died. It is estimated that he performed 636 shows, uh, according to Graceland. Uh, all of them, every single one of them sold out. And finally, Elvis performed his last show at the okay, so it the International Hotel ended up changing hands several times. It's now called Westgate, mm. but it, when he when he played his last show, it was getting then called the Las Vegas Hilton. That low that last show was played on December twelfth, nineteen seventy six. Elvis was found dead in a bathroom at his Graceland home on August sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven, at age forty two. Holy smokes! You know what's yeah. so interesting? I mean, first of mm. all, what a story! I think mm. I think picking uh, picking Elvis was so smart. He is. He's another one. Like, even if you don't know anything about anything, you probably see him as synonymous with Las Vegas. So I think that's such a smart pick. Great job yeah, telling yeah, that story. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm not a huge. I like Elvis. Like, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge devotee though. But right. And so I think in my mind, I've absorbed some of the narrative about the feedback he got later in his career, which was like overweight, dialing it in. But now in my head, I'm trying to picture seven nights a week, two shows a night. Like anybody would face burnout. Of course, he like had some drinks to try to figure that out. Like, <laughs> of course. And so now I'm going to be quick to defend Elvis's honor going forward. Anytime I hear that. <laughs> well, and it's it's worth noting, right, that like um, that 
even though we think of Elvis as like on stage in Vegas in his later years, like overweight, wearing sequined white karate suits and like slouching, that first show, right? It's important to remember that first show was like Elvis on fire. Yeah. So I do want to thank several magazine articles. Uh, I, I use archival material from the New York Times, the Las Vegas Review Journal, and Time Magazine, but all of them were sourcing a book, which only came out a few years ago, called Elvis in Las Vegas, How the King Reinvented the Las Vegas Show. So major props to that book. Yeah, what a story. So funny. I, I'm trying to think now, there's so many pop artists who like change their image with every album and go through these various cycles. Like Bowie is somebody we know in several different mm. images and iterations. And Elvis... He's either like one of two for me. He's the Vegas Elvis <laughs> that you just described, or he's like blue Hawaii, you know, a young guy dancing, singing blue suede shoes, crooning and, and yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I'd never really thought about his life and how it led to, you know, his ultimate death. That was a great yeah. story. Oh, good. I'm glad. Now <laughs> I'm handing the reins to you because you're going to take us out with a closing game. The last game of our first season of wish you were here podcast. And it's going to be, hearsay right this is the game where we find disgruntled yelp reviewers <laughs> yeah and read some of their reviews yeah. have you got some good ones i've for got us? some juicy ones yeah we're going back to the game that we started this season with this was what we played in episode one of of for la so i've That's got right. i've got reviews for a few different places we just talked a lot about shows in vegas have you ever heard of or seen a show called legends in concert no, it's it sounds familiar. Is it a female impersonator show? It's an everybody impersonator show. So Le oh. Legends in Concert, it's the longest running show in Vegas. They've done over 18,000 performances. And oh. it's really kitschy. Actors dress up and perform like, like a whole host of different famous performers. Celine Dion, Cher, Bob Marley, Elvis, Freddie Mercury. So they just get up on stage and they do numbers together. Um, but it's really, it's supposed to be kitschy. One person, Aaron said this show is terrible it's like a really bad cruise ship entertainment for retirees they definitely won't be around in another few years the entire audience looked like they were around during vegas during elvis's heyday don't bring children the butt exposed oh, no. showgirls are for adults only it's time to get rid of frank sinatra and elvis and get newer acts because this show is dead one star oh, and i was no. thinking like wait i was thinking like that yeah. is a terrible review but they must not have known anything about this show before they bought their ticket Oh, no. Wait, now, is this a show that's still playing? I'm not talking, you know, COVID notwithstanding. Is it like a show that's still going? I believe so. They they have multiple iterations of it. Well, they will tour and they probably yeah. do it on cruise ships and stuff. But the longest running version yeah. of it is in Vegas. You know what, Matt? This sounds like the equivalent of like the teacups at Disney, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, like those, some of those classic rides don't deliver anymore, but you, you kind of have a, they, they keep them around for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? a great description. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that person did not like the show that they paid for. <laughs> um, we talked earlier and a lot about the famous fountain show at the Bellagio, which we both agree is a delight. Mm -hmm. Many people on the internet, I'm pretty sure they got drunk and went online to go leave <laughs> reviews because these people are just leaving reviews for all the wrong stuff. So these are reviews for the fountain show at the Bellagio. Susan says, somebody threw up in the elevator. The bed was hard and they needed a better buffet. Pa <laughs> Paul, who labels himself a local guide, says it's $25 to eat a slice of pizza. One star. And Juan says, I used to love the MGM casinos, but they charge for parking and that's not cool. And lastly, oh. <laughs> Glenn says, I got there at 1 a.m., it stops at midnight, and I went all the way from the Mandalay Bay Resort just to miss it. One star. <laughs> 
you know what this this so this is like what you are actually describing is the archetypal Yelp reviewer, <laughs> right? Who goes and like rips a restaurant a new asshole because the bathroom didn't, fl- there was a line for the bathrooms. Yeah. And then it turns out they loved the food. But what, one star because, because one star because they were out of paper towels in the bathroom. Yeah. I feel like a you lot know? of them are like, my girlfriend dumped me this morning. One star is for MGM Grand. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the last one, you named it as part of the icons of Vegas, but Seven Magic mm. Mountains. We'll name oh. again. It's a beautiful art installation just outside of Vegas, highly uh, brightly painted rocks, worth doing once. Chris P says, if you love poorly painted rocks in the middle of nowhere, this is the place for you. How about loads of self-obsessed women doing photo shoots for their imaginary modeling careers? Amazing. Loved it. What a fantastic place. The highlight was don't wander off the desert because there are venomous snakes sign. Unfortunately, during my time, I didn't see any of the tourists who decided to disregard that and get bit by venomous snakes. Oh, well, at least the rocks weren't precariously balanced. They seemed very solid. So that's good news. Paint could use some touch up, though. (laughs) That's that's kind of perfect. I mean, I I love Seven Magic Mountains, but like he did a good job of angrily, bitterly describing this piece of art that you know, is beloved by millions, but him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for every one bad review we can find about any of these places or the many other gems in New York, we'll find thousands of five-star reviews. We both love, did I say New York? I meant Vegas. We both love Las Vegas and two thumbs up for me. Yeah, I, we love, I love, love, love Las Vegas. And like I said, you know, like I get tired of cheerleading for Vegas to people who absolutely hate the city. So if I'm not winning you over... I did the best I could this episode, but to the people who already like Vegas or have thought, you know, maybe didn't have a good time the first time, but are Vegas curious enough to go back. We hope this episode does it for you. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, just to summarize something that I'm realizing as we're talking is plan ahead. When you go to Vegas, it is the worst feeling to be in a place where everything's available and not know where to go or what to do or not know how to get into a place. If you plan ahead, there's nothing like Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a it's such a it's such a fun city. Yeah. Wander the strip, wander the strip at night. You know, and also do yourself a favor and don't pay full price for things in Vegas. Vegas is a city where it's worth it to seek out deals. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, absolutely find the happy hours on the strip. You can get great food happy hours, great drink happy hours. You know, take advantage of those free drinks you can get on the casino floor before yeah. they go away. Yeah. You know, and and here's another piece of advice. Don't waste your money on rooms with strip views. They often do not deliver. Or if you're going to do that, find out ahead of time. Look on Google. Google best strip view rooms in Las Vegas. Because a lot of times, you'll get a strip view room and you're like, oh, that's a, that's a view of the Ross dress for less on the strip. Like, boo. <laughs> boo. to right. yeah. There are specific rooms that you want to pick. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. such a great call about the deals. You don't want your memory to be how much you spent. You want your memory to be all the great things you did in Vegas. Yeah, well said. Right. But we could go on and on. The thing is, we love Vegas. We love you. We thank you for listening to our first season of Wish You Were Here podcast. If you haven't listened to all our episodes, please download them all. Share them with your friends. We'll be back in March. Wink, wink. We'll actually be back before that with a special episode or two. But use this time to catch up on our old episodes and start dreaming of travel again. Matt, anything else you want to say before we... uh, before we call it a night. No, call it a thanks day. for joining us for season one. Lots, lots more to come. Jason and I couldn't be more excited. So thanks for everything. Okay, we are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our handle is WYWH Podcast. 
Email us at wywhpodcast at gmail.com and tell us where you want us to go in 2021 for season two. Uh, we love our website. It's Wish You Were Here Podcast, which is here spelled H E A R. So Wish You Were Here Podcast.com. And you can download every episode. And also, it's a place where you can find maps and links to all our wrecks. That's it. Goodbye. That's it. Thanks, Jason. Bye.